All right, uh, we're in Jonah chapter 3. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. Uh, here we are. We started in chapter 1. God shows up, asks Jonah, this prophet, to go to Nineveh. He has a message for Nineveh, this this incredibly violent, cruel, even by 8th century standards, this city that was known and had a reputation of being violent. And uh, Jonah runs the opposite direction. And so for the last two chapters, we have not seen Jonah um, or heard anything about Nineveh. But here we are. Jonah is finally going. Verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. Yeah, this is God's word for us today. Go ahead and grab a seat. Thanks for being here, everybody. Um, Last week, we were talking about our church's vision, where I see us going as a community, our mission, our values. And uh, if you missed that, I want to encourage you to watch it online. It'll help you understand why we're talking about things we're talking about, why we're putting the emphasis where we're putting it. And we've been seeing this theme of renewal come up again and again, which is our vision, pursuing Jesus together for renewal in every generation. And uh, Jonah is showing us the way that God does it, what it looks like. Let's go to the next slide. So with Jonah, we see God wants to reach this city, but before he can reach the city, he's got to reach Jonah. When God wants to move in the cities or our world, he starts with his people. We need renewal so that God can overflow from us to those nearest to us. That, because Jonah allows God to show up in his life, it overflows and it changes the lives of this group of sailors that are in his boat. And that represents the people nearest to us. That is social renewal. Our family, our friends, our coworkers, our community. But when that happens, it can kind of pick up momentum It can go viral and it can become a cultural season of renewal where we see God reaching our whole city, changing our community, our city and our world at the level level of its values, its common practices, even structurally and systemically, right? The way that our community operates actually throughout history has seen radical change because of God's people allowing God to renew them. Now, as we look at Jonah today, at chapter 3, we're going to be digging deeper into this third level, the way that God moves through us to bring cultural renewal, renewal in our city, renewal in society, renewal in the world. Now, I want to start by looking at verse 1, all right? Verse 1 has just a few words, but it's so powerful. Verse 1, go to the great city of Nineveh. You know, we saw when God brought that word to Jonah, Jonah, what did Jonah do? Yes, God, I will go. I've been waiting for you to put me on the team. Get me the action. No, he runs for half the book. We're watching God pursuing Jonah before he moves on to Nineveh. And it makes an important point for us as believers. If you're here this morning as a believer, we have to understand we want to see God renew the world, but we have to know that God has to renew us first. And sometimes when God wants to do a new work in culture, he's got to do a new fresh work in us. Jonah is a follower of God. He is a prophet of God. He knows God's word, but God has to do something fresh in him before he can do something fresh in the wicked city of Nineveh. And that starts with us. It's so easy to go, God, you need to change my spouse. They need to put that toilet seat down before they leave, you know. They need to learn 
this God, they, you know, my, our culture needs a turn, a corner here. And that's true. However, we just got to know how God does it. And he starts with us. He wants to get there, but he wants to do it through us. Half the book is about God realigning Jonah with God's mission. That's what we're going to talk about today. What it means to see ourselves as entrusted with a mission. And when we align our life with God's mission, it transforms us too. And that's good news, right? As we see with fresh perspective, no matter where we're at in our life, we allow God to speak freshly into the way we see the purpose of our life. We got to see it as an invitation to deeper relationship with God so he can transform us too. Because as God is involving Jonah in his heart for this city, it's also changing Jonah, isn't it? It's changing him in a way that isn't going to happen by just sitting comfortably in his quiet time. It's got to follow God into his heart. This moment with Jonah, it foreshadows something that we as Jesus followers understand. We understand that later, this would take its full form. This moment with Jonah takes its full form when Jesus sends out the disciples to make disciples. I want to go to Matthew 28, 19. Look at this punchy little line at the very end of Mark, Matthew's gospel. Jesus ends by telling his disciples, let's read it out loud together. Therefore, go. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> Therefore, go. And you can see that relationship with Jonah 3, Go to Nineveh in that word that Jesus gives his disciples, right? Like 800 years later, disciples, go, go, just go. You know, I love that idea of just go. Um, I had this idea that's been rummaging around in my brain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess something to you. It's, this is a real idea. So this is going to freak you out. But I have this idea that someday I'm just going to surprise us. And, and I'm going to say, church, we're not just going to be heroes of the word. We're going to we're going to go. We're going to go do. And there's going to be a whole line of buses out there waiting for us. And we are just, we're going, we'll be back before the kids are let out, but we're going in the bus. We're going out there. Let's go have a field trip. Let's go together. I did this with a group of college students. So imagine a room of 400 college students. So it wasn't just a small room. It was a lot of kids. And I said, you guys, I'm not going any further. Jesus said, go, we're going. We're going to go out onto the campus right now in pairs and just ask people that you don't know, just walk up to them and say, hey, if you could have God's love or power show up in your life in any way, where would it be? And can I pray that for you? So they went out, they did this and we're walking around and praying for people. And they all came back 45 minutes later and get this. Everyone came back, but they didn't come back alone. I just noticed all these new phases showing up in the room. People were coming back with them. So to go, and let's finish the statement. Let's read it again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Our mission statement, disciples, cultivating disciples who make disciples. This is our mission. Now, it, it speaks two things to the life of a Jesus follower. So if you're not a Christian, you want to go, what makes these Christians tick? What are they all about? This is it right here. Every, number one, every believer is called to go wherever God sends us to, to cross cultures. Number two, that doesn't have to mean that we're leaving our place physically. Uh, there's different cultures in this room right here. Sometimes it's right around us, the willingness to cross the cultures sitting right next to us. We have people here from Australia. We got people from different cultural backgrounds, different Christian cultural backgrounds, different ethnic um, and nationalistic backgrounds. It's just being willing to engage people who are really different than us. 
That's really what we see God calling Jonah to do, to go to the city, and it speaks to us, the, the willingness for us to leave our comfort zones. Are you seeing that? As Jonah stands on the threshold of the city gates to walk into this huge city, um, there's a lot at risk for Jonah, right? I mean, these guys were known for their cruelty and torture. Uh, that's a threatening thing to do. And yet here he goes. And it represents for us something important in our life. Listen to this quote by Tim Keller. He says this, It means to be willing to leave safety and security in order to share the good news of Jesus with others. It also means risk and vulnerability. Okay? God's plan for renewal involves our obedience to go into culture, not to fight against culture, not to hide from culture, but, and also not to compromise with it. Are you with me? We're not there to fight. We're not there to run. We're not there to compromise. So what are we there to do? What is God calling us to do? What does it mean to share Jesus with culture? And that's what Jonah's going to show us about. All right? Um, before we jump into Jonah, I want to just read to you a quote from Jesus with his disciples. It'll help frame the way we see Jonah. In Luke 9, 6, it says this. So Jesus sent them out from village to village. Let's read it out loud together. Proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. These two things, you guys. Proclaiming and healing. Do you see that? So we could use this to sum it up. To be agents of renewal, we go out to speak renewal into people's life. And number two, to do renewal. To speak and to do. To speak the message of renewal into the places of culture where there's brokenness, where there's need. We apply the message to the needs of culture. That's the doing part. I want to unpack that with you today as our mission. And for you to see yourself as an agent of renewal. So how do we do this? All right. How do we go out as agents of renewal and speak renewal into people? Let's make that number one, speaking renewal. Go with me to verse two in your book. Just take a good look at it. It says this, go, there it is, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now that's the key thing, the message I give. See, there's our message and there's God's message. Are you with me? And sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. Sometimes we got our own agendas. Are we, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we got our own message. But what is God's message that he has given you to take out into the world? If someone were to grab you today, let's say you were hanging out and someone goes, hey man, I heard you're a Christian. I heard you're a Christian. What's, what's, what's Christianity all about? What does it mean to be a Christian? What would you say? What would be your message. What would you say to them? Take 10 seconds, turn, and share with a friend. Yeah, just take 10 seconds. You don't have to give the whole thing, but what might you say to that person? Every time we speak Jesus, we speak the message of Jesus into people's life, we speak renewal. 
Now we'll get to in a minute about, this is not about being a car salesman. No offense to car salesman. <laughs> we love you guys. But you're not trying to sell anything. Thank God for car salesmen. We need those cars. But you're not trying to sell Jesus to people. You're not trying to push Jesus on people. Um, you're not trying to manipulate people into a conversation. So how do we do that? What does that look like? I want to just give you a quick example because every time we share the message of Jesus, we open up spiritual conversation, we're sowing renewal into people's lives. I was at Trader Joe's just recently and uh, I was going through the checkout and the checkout guy just asked me, he's like, hey, how's your day been? Innocent question. I always try to throw a little Jesus in there. I just, you know, a little something, you know, I don't, not like I get confrontational. Do you know Jesus? What do you think? I don't get all weird on people. I never like to start by putting people on the spot, right? That's just not the most loving thing to do. So I just shared something vulnerable. I just said, you know, um, I had a close friend die just this week and I'm really sad about it. You know, I'm praying for him. I'm praying for our family. I'm just trusting for God to comfort that family. So I threw, I threw some God in there. See, that's a little different than how was your day? Ah, uh, it's all right. How about you? It's a little different. You know, it's a little, just a little salt sometimes just brings out those, brings out the flavor. You know what I mean? And so he's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's terrible. And I go, yeah, it's painful. It's really painful. I, you know, I wasn't trying to manipulate anything. I just was throwing it out. And the cashier next to him turns and goes, hey, I know you go to North Coast Calvary Chapel, right? Because I throw that out there before. I'm like, I don't even remember this woman. But mind you, that's a seed I planted a month ago. I, that wasn't something that I had done that day. I had sown that seed, threw that out there. Yeah, I go to, she's like, what do you, you know, how's your day been? Oh, I was at church today and it was awesome. She goes, where do you go to church? I go to North Coast Calvary. It was just one of those little, little seizing moments, you know. And she's like, so this night, she turns, and she's all, you go to North Coast Coyote Chapel. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, so, you, so you, you're, a, you're a God guy. Yeah, I'm a God guy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And she goes, well, someone was telling me about their daughter who just attempted suicide. It was terrible. And I just told her, I'm going to get people praying for your daughter. And she goes, I'm telling anybody that I know that believes in God. Now, I don't think this woman's a Christian. She might be. I don't think that, I don't know that she is. I get the feeling it was more of a general thing to people who believe in God. I'm just going to tell people who I, who I think believe in God. I'm going to tell them about Sophia so that they can pray for Sophia too. Just would you pray for Sophia? Just pray a prayer for her. And I don't know. This was like a moment. I just started getting emotional tears in my eyes. The guy, the checker in the middle is just like, what is happening? You know, he's like, what happened here? This is like a moment, you know? And uh, I'm like... That is such a beautiful thing. I will absolutely pray for Sophia. So now, I've told you about Sophia. Let's take a moment. Lord, together, we don't know Sophia. I don't know her, Lord. Whatever she is, God, we just pray, Lord, you'd minister to her broken heart and the light of your love would shine into that dark place where she doesn't even want to live anymore. Surround her with people that can reach her and fill her with your love that transforms, that renews, and gives us eternal life. Bless that young woman. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you, think, do, you, do you think Sophia knows that hundreds of people are praying for her right now? I don't know. That just messes with my head. Like, wow. That little moment is because I planted a seed. 
sharing Jesus and speaking renewal to people doesn't have to feel like you got to open and close the deal in one moment. See, I love the idea of sowing seed. When we speak renewal, we're just sowing seeds. Think about it. When you sow a seed, do you instantly drop that seed, get an avocado tree? No, you do not. When you throw that seed down, do you instantly get your rose bushes? No. Do you get an apple tree overnight? You do not. It takes cultivating. It takes time. And when you throw that seed out there and you're just sowing Jesus, you're just throwing Jesus around openly and freely like that. You're putting seed out and you're letting it grow where the spirit is working. You're not controlling. You're not trying to manipulate people. You're not trying to close a deal. You're just putting it out there and you're letting God do a great thing ways you're not even aware of. That woman has no idea I'm a pastor of a large church with hundreds of people where we are all praying for Sophia. But look at how that kind of grew. That little moment took on some proportion. When you just throw out Jesus, Jesus can bring renewal. Open a spiritual conversation, inviting people to church, speaking biblical truth into cultural issues. Yes, we can't assume that if we are kind enough or do enough good things that people will intuitively know it's about Jesus. Do you hear that? Just by being good people, Others are not going to know that your goodness is coming from Jesus. We got to tell them. I'll give you an illustration. Okay, there's this moment in Acts 14 where Paul and Barnabas, if you don't know who they are, guys, two, one guy, Paul, is an apostle, and Barnabas are going around sharing Jesus with the ancient Roman world. They're in a city, and they come across a guy who's been crippled from when he was born. Paul looks at him and feels the power and the presence of Jesus come over him. He looks at the guy and he prays for him to be healed of his crippled uh, condition. And the man is instantly healed and he jumps up and he starts to just praise God. And I want you to read the account of how the crowd responds in that moment. Look at this moment right here. Acts 14, 11. Crippled guy, healed. G Paul is talking about Jesus. Watch what happens. Verse 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they started worshiping Jesus. No, look at that. They did not. It says, they shouted in the Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Hermes. Do you see what's going on there? Listen, the crowd doesn't connect Jesus to the healing, and they won't with us either. If you just think by being a good person, people are going to get Jesus, that's not true. I'm not discounting the good things we do. We'll talk about that in the next point. The point here is that we have to interpret and give explanation of why we live the way we live and the hope we carry. Because if we don't, they will attribute the goodness in our life to their own worldviews and to their own gods. They won't know it's the power of Jesus in our life. Does that make sense? And so we got to throw Jesus out there. You're not taking the Bible and hitting people over the head. You're being transparent. You're letting people know that you follow Jesus. I used to ask freshman students at UCSD a question after a month of getting to know them. My standard question. I'd be hanging out, having coffee. I'd be a group with a group of them over lunch. And I would look at them and I would say, okay, how long have you been here at UCSD? And they'd go, oh, four or five weeks. Great. Does, does your, do your sweet mates know that you follow Jesus. 
And they just sit there all uncomfortable. No, I don't throw that the first day I meet them. Hey, good to meet you. Do people know you're a Christian? No, I don't do that. That's weird, guys. That's pushy. But when I get to know them, I ask them, do your friends know here that you follow Jesus? And I'm not joking, you guys. Nine out of 10 times, the answer is no. And so then I give them the gentle challenge. Oh, so they don't know that you're a Christian. So, you know, you're kind of hiding the best part of your life. You're kind of not being true to yourself and being honest about who you are. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. I go, hey, listen, you just need, you don't need to sell Jesus. You just need to be transparent about who you are and not ashamed of who you are and who Jesus is in your life. Be open and be transparent about Jesus in your life. Does that make sense? Are there any areas in your life right now where the thought of being transparent about your faith freaks you out? Where you think, oh my gosh, if they knew, they would think I was a weirdo. It would be awkward. That's not the place for that sort of thing. Okay, let's go through the, the options. Playdates, kids' sports teams, you're, you know, the family, the friends, maybe uh, work, office, family, family, maybe family, doesn't know yet. You're following Jesus. Where is the place for you where if I said today, this is where God's sending you. This is your Nineveh today. Go and share Jesus. You would feel worried about the awkwardness of the moment. Where's that for you right now? Where are you worried about the awkward moment coming? Think, bring that to mind today. Where are the places that God has put in your life that maybe we've kept closed? Okay. Um, I want to, let me see. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go on to the next one. Okay, so the next one is, um, oh, I want to have a slide. Okay, look, if you want to learn how to talk about Jesus in a non-weird, pushy, judgy way, yeah, gospel, let's do the gospel uh, conversation slide. Um, November 4th, we want to equip and train you guys to have natural, organic, relational, non-weird conversations with people about Jesus. And so if you're like, I want to do it, Ryan, but I don't know how to do it. I need some help. Hey, that makes sense. Gospel Conversations, November 4th, Saturday, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. It's interactive training. It's not just a bunch of preaching. It's workshops. It's practicing. This will help you begin to talk about Jesus in those relationships where you feel a little stuck, okay? So I want to encourage you, November 4th, check that out. Go on our website if you want to learn more. Let's go to the next one. So we're going to speak renewal. And when you speak renewal, you talk about Jesus, things begin to pop up and grow. Number two, we need to do renewal. All right, verse three. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. So I want to just hold this up there. So in verse one, he sent to go to Nineveh. And now I like this language, three days to go through it. Now that's different, right? It's one thing to go to someone's house. It's another thing to go through their house. It's one thing to go um, to somebody and then to go through the issues of their life and really talk through what's going on. And that's what Jonah's doing. Jonah is taking the message not just to Nineveh, but through the entire city, bringing the message to all the different issues of the community. And we'll see that next week when we see Nineveh's reaction. It's pretty powerful. 
You got to come next week and see how they react. It represents bringing the message and the truth of God to every aspect of culture, to the issues, the problems, the broken areas that our culture is trying to resolve. That's what we're talking about right here. Jonah, um, this is about applying God's message and truth to every aspect that we see going on around us. Now, let's start with this idea. The closer we get to Jesus, the greater the range of our concern. Can you see that with Jonah? Jonah has no concern about Nineveh. Jonah doesn't care. He's got Israel. He's like, God, there's enough problems with Israel. Why are you sending me to this foreign city that's our enemy? And it represents how God, as we spend time with him, is going to expand the range of our concerns. Does that make sense? No, nah, maybe it doesn't. I want to illustrate it. All right, I'm going to pull out this balloon here. And I want to give you an illustration because when we start walking with Jesus, he is going to start to align us with the range of his concerns. And God has a big heart. He's got a lot of things he cares about. So when you start walking with Jesus, he starts introducing us to things that he cares about, right? So you start walking with Jesus, he starts talking to you about, man, he cares about people who aren't yet Christians. He cares about people far from God. He loves them. So he's like filling your mind, filling your heart with his love for lost people. And then he starts talking to you about the poor, right? He's like, man, I love the poor. We, should, we need to care about the poor. How are you using your resource to care about those people? And he's like stirring up your heart, your conviction. And then he starts talking to you about, man, he cares about people with gender dysphoria. He cares about people who are struggling with their identity and their sexuality. And then he's like, man, I care about people. I care about the foreigner, the widow, and the, and, uh, the, foreigner, the, widow, and the orphan. He's like, I care about kids. I care about vulnerable children, the unborn, the trafficked, the foster children. I care about immigrants. I care about refugees, people running from war-torn communities looking for a safe refuge. Man, I care about all these things. And you ever feel like this balloon? It's like God is just pumping you up with like all of these. No, seriously, I know I'm being a little funny and gimmicky, but you ever feel like, man, God, I know you care. I got enough cares. But when you follow Jesus, he stretches our hearts and he grows our hearts. And he stretches the range and the breadth of our concern towards things that we never cared about before Jesus. Or if you're a follower of Jesus, like Jonah, he meets us at a point in our journey with him. And he goes, you know, I want to talk to you about Nineveh. Like, Nineveh? What the freak? Yeah, God, you better be. You need to go smack down on the Nineveh. Bring some fire down on Nineveh. Or he's like, hey, I want to talk to you about people who are struggling with their gender identity. And you're like, oh, I don't know about that one, Lord. I want to talk to you about racial discrimination and prejudice. Ah, oh, no, Lord, now you're off limits. See, that is off limits. And we, because of the political climate of our time, they get kind of siloed into political camps. So now the enemy's got us trapped. If you start talking about a certain concern of God's heart, you start getting associated with the political camp and a certain ideology. And now you're kind of like in controversial territory and it gets dicey. Do you think it was controversial for Jonah to go to Nineveh for his people? 
Do you think that it was? Okay, if you don't understand the politics of the 8th century Middle East, it is like someone saying, let's go to Gaza from Israel. It's like an Israelite saying, let's go to Gaza. And no, no, actually to make it more combo, it's like some Palestinians in Gaza saying, let's go to Israel and tell them about God's love for them. Because you know, there are Christian Palestinians. Can you imagine some Christian Palestinians going, let's go over to Israel and tell them about the love of Jesus for them, right? Do you get how that would be dangerous, controversial? You with me? Where is God stretching your heart with his concern? I want to name a few that maybe feel off limits, but these are things God cares about. God cares about vulnerable children. He cares about the unborn foster, traffic children, racial prejudice. He cares about people from every tribe, tongue, and nation feeling welcome in his home. He cares about people who are immigrants and refugees fleeing war-torn areas because his own son was a refugee in Egypt for a time. He cares about people with gender dysphoria. Notice, I don't talk about LGBTQ. I'm drilling down, not into the political, but into the personal. People who are struggling with their sexual identity, right? I don't know if you know this, but over 90% of people who struggle with gender identity um, this was, you know, based on surveys and interviews, have prayed or sought some way to get away from that attraction. I don't know if you knew that, but there's people that have those questions. And we need to understand those challenges in people's lives biblically, but also how to engage people with his love and compassion. Now, I want to get into this and talk about where I see our church going. Okay, can I go there? Let's think about where we're going, all right? Okay, let's talk about these things because God wants us to engage. So let me just say where I see our church headed. We had to lay down our vision. We're about seeing renewal in every generation. So we had to set that first. So if we're, as we go out to culture, we're not going out to fight it, condemn it. We're going out to bring renewal. But we're not always clear what renewal looks like. And Jonah's showing us how. Okay, so number one. I want to, let's go to engage culture. Uh, the next slide. Don't we have a slide with three bullet points? Let's go. Yeah, I, want, I don't want to use that one. Yeah, yeah, this one, our church. Number one, in 2024, I want to identify some of the most critical, challenging issues that we're facing out in the world um, and help us understand, number one, how to think critically and biblically about those issues. How to think about gender and identity biblically, right? Uh, we need to do that. And so I know I've been hearing, getting emails from you guys when, Ryan, you make mention of these things, but you're not drilling down. We're not feeling equipped to have the hard conversations with people. Number two, we're not even sure how to think about it ourselves. Because look, there are people in this room, I'm telling you right now, that are going through all these issues. All these issues that I outlined earlier, racial discrimination, yes, in this room. Uh, gender dysphoria, yes. People who are dealing with refugees in our community, yes. People are dealing with children who are vulnerable, yes, in this room. We need help knowing how to think about it biblically. We need help, number two, knowing that God's going to lead people how to engage it in different ways. And not to say there's only one way to engage this. So we want to help people recognize the different ways that God might lead us to engage it and to have the relational skills to start talking about it so we don't divide our family, but we become bridge builders to Jesus. Are you with me? 
Number three, to be able to engage it practically outside our church. So we're not just talking about it in here, but we feel actually there's some really accessible ways for us to go outside the walls of our church and make a difference, but still have a full-time job and raise our kids and all that other stuff too. 2024, we're going there. And the, some of the issues I think we, in particular, I was hanging out with NextGen on Thursday, sharing about division, and then it was a Q&A, and they asked me some tough questions. They were asking me questions about LGBTQ. How do we as a church engage people who are going through gender dysphoria? What are we doing to help people? And I'm like, right now, we're not doing a lot, but we need to fix that. We do. And I want to help us do it. Number two, they were asking me about racial prejudice. Where does that fit? Is that just a leftist issue or does it actually belong in the kingdom of God? Is there a biblical conversation that, can, that needs to happen on that topic that can mobilize us out in culture in a way that represents Jesus? I'm like, what a great question. People are asking these questions and we need to be able to give them ways of understanding it. And I'm telling you right now, we're working behind the scenes to prepare us as a church to go there. So that's coming. So get excited because we want to equip you guys. But before we go, I want to say something about all these issues. Remember the balloon thing? It can just feel like, Ryan, I can't do all this stuff. This is too much. I'm a little balloon. And I understand. So let me just speak to that. Um, God wants to expand the range of our concern, but he wants to focus the breadth of our commitment. As a church, we need to learn the range so we don't look at certain issues because they've been politicized. We say, no, that's not a God issue. God doesn't care about that issue. That is just a political agenda. We've got to be able to see through that to where it's rooted in scripture. But how we engage with our limited time and energy, we can't do it all. If you try to do it all, you're going to burn yourself out. And God does not need a bunch of burned out Christians, grouchy and grumpy, trying to save the world because they're just, you know, they're the saviors. God doesn't need that. So I want to just read this quote from Thomas Kelly. I love this quote about how we begin to engage culture so that God's work of renewal through us is renewal for us as well. So look at this quote. Um, Thomas Kelly in his book, Testament of Devotion, says this, the loving presence does not burden us equally with all things, but considerately puts upon each of us, get this, let's read this out loud, just a few tasks. Stop, just a few. Tasks as emphatic responsibilities. We are not called to do it all. But we are called to listen to God, to know, God, where are you calling me to play on the field? And that's different than feeling like we got to do it all. Because sometimes people want to guilt us and manipulate us into thinking we got to do it all or we're not a good Christian. And people use certain causes as a litmus test for what it means to be a true Christian. I want to outline three tips real quick for engaging. You're going to want to write this down because this is going to save us from burnout and actually allow the work of renewal to be renewing for us. So check this out, right? Here we go. Um, Number one rule of engagement, learn to say no as well as yes. 
with social media and the awareness of all the issues in the world, you can't say yes to everything. You can't do it all. You got to learn to say no to things. And that's hard because things capture your heart. They convict you. You may even feel passionate about it, but you're committed. And by doing more than you should, you stretch yourself thin, you get burned out, and you make a superficial contribution to what God is calling you to do. So learn to say no as well as yes, you are not savior, Jesus is. Number two, learn, but don't compare yourself to others. Sometimes you see, man, look at those guys. They are, they're at the soup kitchen. They've adopted kids. You know, they're going to, uh, you know, this country to help build homes in Tijuana. It's like, they are amazing. Ever see, you know, people like that? And you're just like, they're amazing. I want to be amazing. Look, be inspired but don't compare yourself. You start trying to compare and compete with other people and their God-given capacity, you will wreck yourself. So don't compare. And then lastly, my favorite, inspire, but don't judge. This is what I was saying earlier. You guys, you have a passion about a concern going on in culture that God's given to you. Inspire people. Give me books, but don't send me emails making me feel like as a church, if we don't engage in your cause, I am not taking the, the bold route to lead our church. And don't do that with each other because if you're doing it to me, you're probably doing it to one another. You're probably doing it to yourself. Some people use their cause as the litmus test. If you're a hardcore Christian, I even had someone tell me, oh yeah, you guys do those softer issues, but you don't do the harder ones because they're not popular. I'm like, whoa, first of all, that's judgmental. That's manipulative. And that's putting in a hierarchy on good works. You guys, that's Phariseeism. When people start putting a hierarchy on the good works that you should do, that's Phariseeism. Don't believe it. Just say thank you, but no thank you. And go your way. Don't inspire people, but don't judge when people don't join your cause. But get people fired up and let the Lord draw people's hearts to what he's doing. Let him stir their heart. That's true with the way we talk to non-Christians about Jesus. And it's true about the way we talk to each other about the causes that we carry in our hearts. Are you with me? So I want to end by inviting the band out. And I want to ask you, what's your cause? Maybe you have a few. What are the causes that you feel concerned about, passionate about, that you feel God is stirring your heart towards? It could be the thing that makes you anxious and keeps you up at night. The thing that makes you feel like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Sometimes it's the thing that God has put near to you through the people that you love. I remember a family member having same-sex attraction in my life, and that woke me up to that issue in a very personal way. So I have been talking to people and engaging that issue for 20 years because of what it means to me to help people through that journey to find Jesus through those questions. That's why I used to go to parties with, to gay parties, because I wanted to hear what the issues were, because I wanted to know how to reach people with the love of Christ. But that's something I carry in my heart. I believe in the Bible's vision of human sexuality. I believe that a man and a woman were made for one another in marriage. But I also believe that God loves all people and that we're all broken. Whether we're broken with our greed, our pride, our addictions, or our sexuality, we're all broken. 
And God loves us all just the same. It's not, we don't compromise on God's truth, but we need to be more courageous with our compassion. And we need to go out together into those areas, those causes that God is giving us. And together as a church, man, you guys, we're going to make a huge impact. Not because we're all doing the same thing, but we are owning what God has given us to own. What's your thing? What's God giving you? I just want to send us out with a blessing. So, hey, our vision is pursuing Jesus together. So let's grab a hand. Grab a hand. And if you're visiting our first time, I hope that just by someone grabbing your hand, you just feel the love of God reaching out to you. You feel embraced and loved and welcomed by our community. But this is something we can't do alone. And the evil one wants us to fight against each other. If he can get us fighting each other, cannibalizing one another, then he can just completely neutralize us. But if we can do this together, arm in arm, bringing the goodness of Jesus to culture, not to compromise, but not to fight, to bring renewal, to speak renewal, to bring renewal through our actions, and our commitments, we're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Next week, we're going to see what can happen when we align our life with God's mission. But for now, I want to pray a blessing over us. Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. So I want to pray for you. God, I pray as we link up hands that you would send us out together, Lord, to be your light in our world. God, send us out to be your light of truth, your light of grace, your light of conviction and compassion, of love and with generosity. God, I pray in the checkout line. God, at our soccer games. God, I pray in our family barbecues, wherever you send us, God, that God, you would show us how to speak renewal and do renewal in those places that God you can stir hearts and draw people to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys, I'll see you outside. God bless you. Have a great week.